This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And now I found this person in Jesus Christ, and I say to this person, Mark 12, 32, well, I studied the Moses all my life. I just want to see a person who is perfectly keeping the law. What does that person look like? And he's sitting there saying, now I'm looking at him. I found him in Jesus Christ. And he says in Mark 12, 32, well. He says, I studied the law of Moses all my life. I just want to find a teacher that I can really have confidence in, that I know can really not mislead me, but lead me correctly. And now I'm standing in front of this teacher and he says in Mark 12, 32, master. He studied the law of Moses all his life and he'd heard all these nonsensical interpretations from the Talmud about the law of Moses and all the nonsensical interpretations of the Torah and, and he knew in his heart, it's not true. And I just yearn to find a teacher that will tell me the truth. And he's standing in front of Jesus Christ and he says, I found that teacher. And he says in Mark 12, 32, thou has said the truth. And when he said that, thou has said the truth, he capped off years of being taught deceptions, lies, misleadings from the rabbis teaching the Talmud. And now this one particular scribe lawyer is so thrilled with discovering Jesus Christ that he wants to show Jesus Christ, I'm tracking with you, I'm on your page. And so he restates the, what Jesus had said in such a beautiful way. And this one particular scribe lawyer is so excited that he has found what he's been looking for, Jesus Christ, and he wants to respond to Jesus Christ, and he wants to be his follower, so he re- I listen to what you say as a teacher. I am your student. Look, and his one particular scribe lawyer confesses that he's starting to realize who Jesus Christ is. And he says in Mark 12, 32, there's only one God. There's one God and there's none other but he. And he's starting to realize I'm standing before him. 
And this one particular scribe lawyer sees that to love God and love his neighbor is what the law is all wrapped up. And he sees this. He sees this that the Pharisees don't see. He sees this, that all this mountain of dues is not even worthy to be compared with loving God. And when the Pharisee comrades hear that, we can imagine them saying to themselves, oy vey, love of God and neighbor is worth more than all of the sacrifices and the customs? What is he saying? And when Jesus heard that, Jesus encouraged that man in Mark 12, 34, Mark 12, 34, where it says, when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. What he was saying there, what Jesus was saying there was that a great transformation had started to happen. It had begun to happen in this man, and the Lord Jesus saw this in his answer, and so therefore, he said to him in Mark 12, 34, you are not far, you're not far. And what it says, what Jesus saw in the man, it says in Mark 12, 34, when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. The Greek word here, discreetly, is made up of two words, literally means he held his mind on. He held his mind on of what Jesus said. In other words, we would say he applied his mind. In other words, we might say he meditated, he considered, he thought about it. Because it was his response to Christ, when Christ was talking about discreetly, it was his response to Christ. Christ gave us actually four types of responses that people have to what Christ said. Only four. And they were given to us in the parable in Matthew 13, 19. Matthew 13, 19. When anyone, he said, Jesus said, when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and a none with joy receiveth it, yet he hath not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth, because of the word, by and by he's offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and becometh unfruitful. But he that receiveth the seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, you will not understand anything else that I say. He told his disciples that. This is what you call the fundamental parable that Jesus spoke because he said that if a person doesn't get this, you ain't going nowhere with me. And the reason that this parable must be understood before any other parable can be understood is because this parable describes how a person receives the word of Christ. And there are only four possible ways, that's it. Only four that a person can uh, respond, only four responses after having the word of Christ presented. First of all, we're told in the first case of Matthew 13, 37, Matthew 13, 37, he answered and said unto them, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. Jesus Christ is the person who is sowing the good seed of his word. Think of it. Jesus Christ is the sower of the good seed. A person sowing seed is not blind. 
he just doesn't go out and close his eyes and throw the seed all over the place without seeing anything. He throws the seed and then he looks to see where the seed fell, where it landed. And he wants to know if that seed uh, landed on a road or maybe it fell in some rocks or it fell in some thorns or it happened to land in good soil. He's not a fool. He's out there wanting the seed to go into good ground and he's checking it out. The point is the sower is interested in where the seed landed. And in the same way, when Christ spoke his word, he didn't just blindly shut his eyes, but he looked around. And he looked around to see where the seed of his word fell. In other words, we can see Christ, he says something and then he's, he's looking around at the people who are listening to him. And as he looked at each person who heard his word, we can see him saying to himself, uh-huh, I see the seed of my word just landed right there on that person, right there. He's like hard ground. The seed's going nowhere with him. That person is like a hard packed road. It's not receiving anything I say. And then he looks around another person as he speaks and he says to himself, oh, will you look at that? I've just spoken and I see my word falling among rocks in that person right over there. And that person, he's smiling all the time. He's saying amen to things before Jesus even finishes speaking. He's so fast with his amens, you can just see that he's not really hearing what I say. He's a rocky ground. He's just like, everything's wonderful, it's all divine, that's fantastic. He hasn't really thought about what he said he couldn't repeat. And then he looks around another person, he, after he throws out the, sows the seed of his word, he says to himself, I've just sent out the seed of my word, and right over there, I see it's landed on a person over there, and I see that person frowning because he's worrying about something he needs to do later on today. And, and he's not really here listening to me. He's in a state of perpetual distraction. He's hardly heard a word I said. He's so worried about things. He's thorny ground, receiving my words. And then he speaks this word, and he sees another person over there, and he says, oh, look at that. I've just spoken my word, and I see that person right over there drinking it up. And that person has kept his word, kept his eye on me like a pelican looking at a sardine, and he's ready to dive in and take it for his lunch. I see a lot of those. And that person has listened very carefully to what I've said. He's drinking in every word. He's thinking. I can see the wheels turning. He's thinking. He's good ground. Receiving my words. Point is, with all this, is that the sower is looking to see what type of ground his seed has landed on. And so Christ, after he speaks, he's looking to see each person that's heard his words, and he's asking himself, how was my word received in that person? What kind of ground does that person represent to me? As a matter of fact, that's what Christ is doing right now. He's doing that right now, and as the Bible has spoken, he's looking around and he's asking about each person, how are my words from the Bible being received? Let's see now, person by person. What kind of ground do I see here? This person, that person. And the four different responses in these parables, these four different grounds, are four different people 
that can be really looked at. And really, we're talking about four different ways of thinking. That's the point of thinking about what Christ said. The first person with hard ground, he doesn't think at all. There's no thinking about what Christ said because as soon as he hears the words, Jesus, steel doors shut, and he doesn't hear anything more, he refuses to think about Jesus. He's prejudiced against Jesus. The second person with the rocky ground, he doesn't really think about what Christ said because as soon as he hears Christ's words, he doesn't think through what he said. He just, he's giddy. He just says, oh, it's wonderful, it's divine, it's great, it's fantastic. He really hasn't given any deep thought to what Christ said at all. And the third person with the thorny ground, he doesn't allow himself to get into deep thought about Christ because he's worried, if I start thinking about what Christ said, I'm gonna neglect something I really gotta think about all the things on my to-do list, the things that have to be repaired, the things that are about to break, the things that need to be insured, the things that need to be guarded, the things I need to get, the things I need to get rid of. Oh, I'm so exhausted just thinking about it. And so this person likes to say the word, that's interesting, later, that's his word, later. That's, I gotta write that down, later. Later I'll think about what Christ said and how it affects me, but not now, I'm too busy. I'm too busy right now. And then there's the fourth person. The fourth person with the good ground. He's thinking about what Christ said. He's saying, I've gotta think about this right now. Nothing else is more important than this. He's thinking, and what is he thinking? How does what Christ just said point out what's wrong with me? What's wrong in my life? He's thinking that. And he's thinking this. How does what Christ just said show me how to change my life? See, everything that Christ said in this fourth ground person, he's thinking two words, what and how. What and how. What's wrong with me? How do I change? That's the good ground person. And this is what makes this fourth good ground hearer a good ground hearer, because he's thinking deeply about what Christ said and he's applying Christ's words to his life. It's all about thinking. And Christ has just sowed his words in Mark 12, 29. And he said those things about, you know, the first commandment is hear, O Israel, and you love the Lord, there's one Lord, and you love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And it's the first commandment, and the second is like to it, and there's none other to the greater than these. He's just said things to think about. And this man has been thinking about it, and he's restated, and he said, yes, I see something else. It's greater than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And just like a sower who looks to see where his seed has fallen, Christ looked to see where the seed had fallen in Mark 12, 34. Mark 12, 34, and when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he looked at this man and he saw that the man answered discreetly, and as we've seen in the Greek, it's translated discreetly means the man held his thinking on what Christ said. It wasn't water off a duck's back, it wasn't in one ear and out the other, it wasn't that's interesting and now what do I gotta go do? He held his thinking like Mary, she kept these things in her heart. She didn't let them go. That man had not closed himself from thinking about what Christ said like the first hard ground man did. That man had not gonna be like the second ground, rocky ground, to say, oh yeah, 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 fine, but no. And that man not allowed the pressures of life, cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches, I gotta make money. What time is the stock out yet? Yeah, let me check my stock. Yeah. 
Oh, it's well, today. That's wonderful. Oh, that's great. Better than yesterday. What's it going to do tomorrow? He, he said, I'm not allowing those to come into me. He wasn't a thorny ground. And this scribe lawyer had discreetly held his thinking on what Christ said. And that's what made him getting in toward the good ground discreetly. For that reason, Christ said in Mark 12, 34, Mark 12, 34, when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, held his thinking on it, he said unto him, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. It's interesting that Christ did not say, you have entered the kingdom of God. He didn't say that. He said, you're not far from going into the kingdom of God. So in other words, he says to the man, you're getting closer, you're getting hotter, but you're not there yet. And that leads us to the question, why not? What was, if that man had discreetly held his thinking on what Christ said, why was that man not in the kingdom? Why is that man not saved yet? Why is that man only close to being saved? Why is that man only close to going to heaven? Why is that man not going to heaven yet? And the answer is because to just discreetly hold your thinking on what Christ said is not enough to be saved. It's not enough to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's not enough to, have, to go to heaven when you die. Because to be saved, to enter into the kingdom of heaven, that discreetly holding your thinking on must go to the next level of thinking of the two words, what and how. Hearing Christ and thinking from what Christ said, what is wrong in my life? Hearing Christ and thinking from what Christ said, how do I change my life? And that's why those two words are essential and they weren't there yet in this man. But he was getting there. Those two words are what the words that we should have when we open this book. Every time we open this book, we should say, what, how, what, how, what, how, what, how? Those should be the two words that are on our mind. As I open my Bible, I'm looking for what's wrong with me What's wrong in my life? And I'm looking for, that's the what. How do I change my life? How can my life be changed? And those are the same two questions that we need to have when we come to church. With an expectation as we walk through the doors of a church, we say those two words inside of ourselves. What, how, what, how. I'm coming to church today so I can know what, how. I'm gonna find out what, how. As I walk into this church today, I'm looking for what's wrong with me. What's wrong in my life? How do I change my life? How can I change my life? And that's what should be our expectation when after reading our Bible, and you say, well, how'd your Bible reading go? Well, it's real easy. After you're reading the Bible, you just ask the question, did I find out what was wrong with me? Did I find out how I can change my life? That's the evaluation of a Bible reading. After coming out of a church, how was church today? Well, let me see now, let me ask the question. After church today, did I find out what's wrong with me? Did I find out what's wrong in my life? Did I find out how I can change my life? That's how you evaluate how church was. And that's why this scribe and Pharisee was, uh, scribe and lawyer, was not far from the kingdom of God, but not yet in the kingdom of God. It was all because he was holding his thinking on what Christ said, which was good. And if he held it there long enough, Christ will bring him into that what how. But he's not there yet, but he's getting there. And when he says, what's wrong with me? What's wrong in my life? How do I change? 
then he'll be there. Now, he's gonna be there when he says something like, well, I see about loving God, like he said, but I also see that I'm wrong because I don't love God like that. I don't love God with all my heart. And I see that I'm wrong because I see you gotta love your neighbor, but I don't love my neighbor as myself. But he would have been saved and in the kingdom of God if he just would have thought to himself, I see how I'm gonna change to love God with all my heart by following Christ. I see how I'm gonna love my neighbor as myself by following Christ. And that's the key. What's wrong, how do I change? It makes all the difference between not far from the kingdom of heaven and in the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> now, it was very good what this lawyer was doing, very unusual for this scribe lawyer to be holding his thoughts discreetly on what Christ said, because it was putting him on the road to entering the kingdom of heaven, to being saved. But that holding his thoughts on what Christ said made him very different from the rest of the Pharisees. And if this one particular scribe lawyer had just been judged as, oh, he's a Pharisee, he's a scribe, oh, he's just one of those Christ-rejecting Pharisees, just the same as the rest of all of them, that would have been so wrong, so very, very wrong. That means, that just as Christ looks on each person to see what kind of a person, the heart ground that person has, so should we, so should we. That means to not prejudge a person because they're not part of a certain group or because they are part of a certain group. Oh, he's a Jew, oh, he's a Jew. Just part of that Christ rejecting Jews, that's wrong. That leads to anti-Semitism, which is very sad. That is what sadly happened to John Calvin and Martin Luther. Both John Calvin and Martin Luther started off as very interested in the Jewish people coming to Christ. And both Calvin and Luther devoted themselves to bringing the gospel to the Jews. But both Calvin and Luther saw how firmly the Jews rejected Christ. Calvin saw how firmly the Jews rejected Calvin's Christ. Luther saw how firmly the Jews rejected Luther's Christ, and as a result, Calvin and Luther became strong anti-Semites, writing that they should all, all the Jews should be destroyed. This sadly happened to Calvin and Luther because they did not see the concept of verse 35, verse 35, which is one of them, that verse says, one of them. This sadly happened to Calvin and Luther because they only saw the group of the Jews and not the individual Jews within the group of the Jews. And that's why God wants to strip away from our minds of seeing people in a group, stop that, and only see people as individuals, to see them as verse 35, one of them. That's why all groups are stripped away in Christ, in Galatians 3.28, Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. God, in God's sight, individuals are not seen as in the group of the Jews or in the group of the Gentiles or in the group of the free or in the group of the slaves or in the group of females or in the group of males. God is group blind. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.